inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is the Ascend Men Podcast. According to Co-op Legal Services, a study published in 2011 suggested that mental health issues had been found to increase the likelihood of divorce with a range of between 20 and 80%. That study is over a decade old and the range is very wide. But we don't need a fresh survey to know that one person in a relationship undergoing a mental health condition will put incredible pressure on the other and on the relationship itself. Today we're going to hear from two ladies who are married to two of our Ascend men who have been going through some really difficult times recently. A big warm Ascend Men welcome to, first of all, Paula. Hi, Alan. It's, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. And to you too, Rachel. Hi, thanks for having us on your uh, Ascend Men podcast. Great. To get to know you and your men a little, I have a couple of quick fire questions for you. So in the order of Paula first and then Rachel, what dish do your men love to eat that you can't stand? Oh, um... Pies. Pies. Any particular pies? Um, chicken pie. <laughs> Pucker pies. Anything like that. I've just right. yeah. Okay. I have no time for them. <laughs> okay. And Rachel. Oh, Ed really likes baked beans, and I just can't stand baked beans. I don't really get it, but he really likes them. So I've always got a tin of baked beans in the cupboard. Good. Okay. The second one. Uh, and this time, Rachel, you first. Um, what is the one habit that you are thankful your man doesn't have? Mm, good question. Um, he doesn't leave the toilet seat up. He's very, very good. My, my husband is very considerate. And so he always considers me and I'm, I rarely see the toilet seat up. It would be an unusual to see it up. Beautiful. Paula? I've got to go <laughs> and say... I'm very thankful that he is not a nose picker. I'm, I'm just so glad that Steve doesn't pick his nose. Okay, that's great to uh, great to get a bit of a, a kind of a feel for your for your men and understand um, what you're grateful for. Um, without going into any detail on how your men got to a point of crisis, can you give a little background on what symptoms your guys were experiencing? Um, I'll jump in first, if that's okay, Rachel. Um, one of the things I think I noticed first of all was that he was starting to become quite short-tempered. The slightest thing the kids would do would, he'd kind of be snapping at them. Um, so kind of a real change in his his kind of way at home. Um, and they say that, you know, you take it out on the ones you love the most. Um, so, mm. you know, he loves us a lot. Um, but, yeah, so I really started to notice that, Um he was very withdrawn, quite quiet um, when kind of other Ascend guys locally asked him out for kind of social events. He'd really moan and groan and say no. Um, so I just noticed him kind of pulling back from everything. Um, things at church, I just noticed he wasn't quite in the group. He was always standing on the corner of the group. Um, not Just really 
distancing himself from everyone that that really cares about us. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the first things that I started to notice. Mm. It's really interesting. Mm. And Rachel? Yeah, I noticed sort of negative speaking um, and a lot of frustration, a lot of built up frustration. It was that negativity. um, You know, my husband's a really positive man and I just found that really difficult. And, And actually, interestingly, I noticed that the negative UT was kind of rubbing off a little bit on me. It was like, it became our narrative a little bit. Um, and that was quite hard. It was hard to sort of like find those joyful moments or those positive moments just in every day. It was like, everything felt quite heavy. Um, I didn't notice actually him withdrawing like your husband did, Paula. He was always still available and still quite positive around people and church but perhaps at home there was this side of him that I was like, I've I've not not experienced this. So it's the negativity, I think, for me. Hmm. And and um we talk about uh, somebody being in crisis. Was was it like a cliff edge? Did did suddenly it all fall apart? Or was there one particular day or was there one event that either of you could reference when you suddenly thought, wow, this is now serious? Yeah, for for for, for us, um it was slowly building. Um, we'd been on a, a honeymoon and had a little bit of a, a rest and we'd come back and um, a couple of things had happened and it was still, there were still some issues there. And then it was just gradually building and building and building. And it literally was one moment in time that Ed called me and said, I need to come home. Um, I can't drive. I need you to come and pick me up. Um and I think I, you know, asked me the question, Rachel, am I having a mental health breakdown? Am I having a breakdown? And I'm like, babe, I, I don't know. And I just kind of felt a bit like, oh gosh, you know. So it was literally, I, I hadn't anticipated that the, the, the months of frustration would lead to this one crucial day where mm. he would just go, I can't do it anymore. Um, and we, I went to pick him up, um, and he was just a shadow of himself really. So yes, the frustration had built, but then when I went to, to find him and pick him up, he, he it was like Ed had disappeared. Hmm. He was vacant and hmm. I was like, right, we really need to do something here. Hmm. So that, that was my yeah. experience and about you, Paula. Yeah. So again, there was that build up, but I don't think I expected the, the, the full kind of breakdown as such. Um, Steve woke me in the middle of the night, um, absolutely sobbing and and just kind of kept saying, I just can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And I was like, I actually don't know what you can't do. Do you know? And it, it was this kind of trying to coax him out and it was in a real kind of panic and struggling to, to catch his breath. So kind of went through some breathe with me, you know, breathe in, breathe out to try and talk him through. But likewise, it was that full kind of mental health breakdown that, that real crash of of emotion mm. suddenly. Yeah, I think one of the things probably like the 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 way I would describe it is that that Ed was in a in an invisibly in a lot of emotional pain. Yeah. That the pain was was there and and the vacantness, but the 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 crying, the 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 sobbing, and it, yeah, it was really hard to know what to do. Really, what to do next at the time. You're in a bit of shock, really. Mm, You're a bit like, wow, you go into this automatic pilot of, Mm. of, um, right, I I need to stand up here. I need to step in. I need to to find a way forward, really. But to love Mm. the 
person through the pain. Not, and I think the hardest thing is perhaps if you are an individual that likes to, you know, solve problems or you <laughs> sometimes actually, this is one where actually you just need to be present and loving the person through what they're going through. And sometimes it isn't a quick fix. Mm. Rachel, use the phrase, we really need to do something here. So you obviously did something within your abilities at that point. But what more did you do? You sought some help from some some other people. What 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 did you do next? Yeah, so I brought Ed home and he just laid in bed and he was there for pretty much a number of days, really. But also, I didn't know the severity of how he was feeling. A bit like Paula saying that her husband was like, I just can't do this anymore. There were, there were these sense of Ed wanting to have a, a release from the emotional pain. And I was concerned for his well-being, his safety, how he was managing. And I couldn't hold that on my own. It was too heavy a burden to bear, really. And I think I reached out to my mum. I contacted all the relevant people I needed to. And it was through chatting with Ed's um, sister, who's a nurse. And I'd been thinking we need to get him to the GP. So um, I think we phoned and booked an appointment. And the next day I took him straight to the, the GP Ed couldn't walk with his eyes open. He walked all the way to the GP thing with his eyes closed. I had to hold him just to get him there. It, Yeah, it was really quite a difficult experience, but we got to the surgery and I remember us sitting in the waiting room and it was a bit of a last minute appointment that we'd got. He was he was not in a good way. And this lady in front was like, you know, are you OK? And, you know, it was really supportive and really sweet. And I I was just I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop crying. I, could, I couldn't. I, I was trying to hold it together, but I couldn't. And it was through that process that we linked him with the GP. Um, Ed was assessed under the mental health crisis team on the phone and at home. And I think because I was a protective factor in supporting him and being with him, they felt that we put all the things in place. So we absolutely sought medical support at the outset. Mm -hmm. It's hard Mm. listening, Rachel. It must have been so difficult living through it. So thank you for thank you for being so open with us. And Paula. Yeah. So the first thing I did when we woke up the next morning was to phone our location pastor and Mm. say, just keep praying please just pray. I don't know where this is going, but pray. And they were great. They were, they were really, really great. I just knew that we needed to, to get him that space, to get him to see a GP, to get that signed off from work, to mm. give him that space that he needed. So that was my, my first port of call. But all along, you know, the, the whole way, Steve was like, seeking reassurance. You're going to come with me. You're going to come in with me, aren't you? You're not going to leave me. It was really, I was like a scared child and the GP was just great was so so good they referred him in in Essex the the first portal call is to refer for uh, talking therapy Um, so did that and they kind of prescribed medication it's just like telling people that he's not going to be able to get here or Hmm. you know he's he's not coming into work and and just going through that first explanation and for me I'm quite a an overprotective wife um (laughs) and it's like trying not to break down at the same time and be but being ready to fight for him but in the same point not wanting to take away everything he needs to feel in in being in kind of feeling man of the house and Mm. not wanting to kind of take over uh, and 
and take that away from him if he felt capable to do it. It's mm. it's a it was a really fine line. Mm. Yeah, I, I found that Ed Ed just lacked motivation, absolutely everything, and I had to encourage him to go for a walk every day. I, I encourage he always did 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 do the washing up. So I I just encouraged him to do one thing a day that he could do, but he he could have just laid in bed permanently for a long time and. He was also signed off work. But I think what we've taught you've just shared as well was about the, the kind of holistic support for somebody it isn't just one thing. It's probably a balance of medication, which both our husbands have been on, um, having therapy, which both our husbands, I don't know if Steve's accessed yeah. that. Yeah. Edit, having that, having the GP support, but also the support of friends and family around you. I think particularly church support as well um i think that we were very well supported by two key friends of ed's which happened to be you alan thank you for all yeah. that you did and continue to do and another guy in the ascend um, community called mm-hmm. john who um as well as in somebody else within uh, c3 who gave it a love for golf and um really i think the the thing that i found most helpful was i didn't want to leave ed alone for at least the first week and actually i didn't have any break you're a carer you're a permanent mm-hmm. carer and you're trying to help them be still feeling that they can still function in in some sense of because they know that they're putting a lot of pressure on you and they're very concerned about how you're doing and um, but having those guys around him was absolutely crucial so that was vital for me that was like a life a massive lifeline you, you just use the phrase then uh, being a permanent carer and wanting to be there for him all the time so that must have been exhausting as well for you so so both of you like how have you looked after yourselves I think it's really difficult because you kind of go into autopilot of I need to be there I need to make sure he's okay um, I need to still make sure the rest of the household's okay. I need to remove as many pressures as possible so that he, he's not worrying about them. I need to make sure that everything's okay with the household, with the finances, you know, to give that space that he needed in that moment. And it's it's really difficult to then look after yourself in that as well. I, I don't know about your relationship, Rachel, but but Steve is my go-to. Steve's the person that I offload onto. And all of a sudden, I, I, I've kind of like, I don't want to offload because I don't want him to feel like he's let me down because in no way, shape or form has he ever let me down. So it's then like, well, who do I confide in? Because I don't then want to be sharing stuff that he's struggling with because that's his, you know, that's that's not mine to to share. So it's really difficult. It's, it's almost, I suppose, kind of a profession where you need supervision, somewhere where you can go, these are my emotions without sharing why you've got these emotions. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really difficult. And we had time where Steve was was struggling quite a lot and he'd, he'd gone off for uh, a walk, hadn't taken his phone and was gone out for quite some time before he came back. And I panicked because I'd got like the bank notifications come through. He'd taken a, quite a large sum of money out of the bank and he came back and I was like, where's where's the money? what money he didn't even know that he'd gone mm. and done that he didn't know where he'd been for walk mm. um so then in my mind I'm like well I need to almost be with him as you say in that kind of full-time care 24 7 to make sure he's okay mm. um so actually if I'm then in a position to look after him there is no time to kind of think about me and I think it's only now that we're coming out the other side that I can say okay, I need to now look at myself before I completely crash and burn as well. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be picking him up and dropping no, me. No. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's a careful balance. Yeah, 
yeah, you know, I'd only been married a couple of years, you know, waited for Mr. Right, love my husband, like, like um, you said, um, to bits. Um, and he was the kind of man that I felt we were sharing life with and doing things together. And yeah, I suddenly were, wasn't able to to share with him. I, I He wouldn't have understood anyway. And he had no ability to think about how I was feeling. So I think for me, talking to my mum was really, really important. She'd gone through a mental health breakdown in my uh, 20s. So she was able to understand a little bit. And for me to vent any feeling I had that wasn't at my husband or to my husband because he didn't really need that. Just those natural feelings that you feel. I think the financial pressure was a real challenge. Um, for me, I stopped work around a month or so later because I just couldn't cope with my work. So we were in a financial challenge. Thank God, God absolutely provided in every way, shape or form. And I met somebody randomly when we were taking a break in the November in Norfolk, and she happened to be a Christian, happened to have a husband who'd gone through a mental health condition um, and in a crisis, but he didn't seek this right support. And it was a really right, real God moment. And she said, Rachel, you need to prioritise your marriage. And it was then I thought my my work isn't. I stopped non-essential things. Um, I just managed to get enough money to, to tick us over. And I had a few friends that I would just call on. And the other thing is the Federation of Small Businesses I'm a member of, and I was able to access some uh, mental health counselling, which I still am. And as we're coming out the other side, um, I'm still dealing with some of the aftermath of that time. I'm not going to lie, but it is important to continue to grow together and strengthen. Um, but having God at the centre, yeah, has been incredible. Well, you've both used the phrase coming out of the other side, which is hugely encouraging. I think as we just wrap up from what's been a fascinating conversation and one we could go uh, much longer with, um, our Ascend tagline is together we are stronger. I suppose I'm really interested to know what would that mean for a man going through a mental health crisis? You know, what more could we as Ascend men have done for your two guys? So one of the most important things for us on the journey was that Steve connected with Lee and he connected with yourself. And knowing that he'd got those people to confide in was was massive. That person that would just send a, hey, buddy, you okay? Do you know that that Mm. someone coming alongside and, you know, you do an amazing job of heading up a send, but you can't carry every man. (laughs) Um, But having that, that additional buddy alongside meant the world it Mm. did because it also meant that on the days where I could see he was struggling and that he'd received a message he wasn't replying, I could, and Steve's aware that I would do it, but I could also message Lee and say, Mm. it's a bad day, fancy popping for a coffee or Mm. just get him out the house, please. But having that buddy there was, was hugely important. That was exactly the same for me. The exact same scenario is what we had. So thank you to creating a culture within said men that people do check in and look out for each other. I think there was people who would come and see more more regularly. Um, and it was yourself, Al, um, Alan and John, and, um, and just checking in and actually mm. physically seeing him, like you said, and Paula, to give, give me a little bit of a break, but also to have men that he could talk to around how he was feeling about everything actually outside of me was really vital. But I think what, um, and there were a number of guys within the men that did also check in. How are you doing? I would say continue to keep a conversation open around mm. mental well-being, 
If you notice that somebody within the community has disappeared, they're not around, make sure somebody checks in. There might be something going on, they're struggling. And so having that culture of going, well, where's so-and-so? I didn't know how they're doing. Um, And that it doesn't have to be, it should be a a culture where everybody just looks out for Mm. one another and just goes, how are you doing? Creating that community, I think would be really, really important as is already being created, but to share that load amongst everybody within the group. Mm. Um, One one of you earlier on talked about loving the person through the pain and uh, we love your men. And uh, I just want to say that uh, they are very loved <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's heartbreaking even from from a distance to to see how how they've been impacted recently. But it's also a privilege to walk with people through that. And I think uh, I consider it a privilege to to be there and and to be one of the people that they can trust and confide in. And my mm. heart is for everybody in the sand to have that person, whether they're married or not, but to have somebody they can call on when it gets really bad or they just need to have a good old sob. So thank you for sharing your hearts and for supporting your men. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we do love them <laughs> and uh, we want to see them get restored, which is God's heart for them to be fully restored, to be the men they were destined to be. It's great to be able to love and see how much you have loved your men through through this, and some of us have been able to get alongside them too through through this pain, uh, and to see them coming out of the other side. What does the other side look like? Yeah, good, good question. Ed and I were talking about it the other day, and he just said, "I think I'm a better man because of it." Um, and he also talked about the fact that in all of the things that he's been through in his past and obviously present day, he just really trusts that God's God's working something through him um and also he's doing really well now back to work um slowly and his humor is back i missed ed's humor so much mm-hmm. his humor is back we laugh our relationship is stronger absolutely as a result and i absolutely know through some of the past experience that ed had and this current experience he'll be more than happy to talk to others and share what mm. he's been through and he'll never see it as a negative. He'll always turn it into a positive. And uh, we are stronger as a result of it. Um, and know that God has been it, it, with us in the, right in the middle of it and brought us through. Great. And Paula? Yeah, I, I think I've got to agree with that. It's that definitely seen God in the centre of it. It's, it's, I think, brought both of us stronger and, and closer together with God um, as a couple. But for Steve, it's it's laying that foundation. It's knowing that he can kind of test the water before he goes into anything. He's currently gone into doing some volunteering for St. Helena Hospice and, and just getting back out there, building the community that he's comfortable in. And just it, it's reassured him that he is worth being here, that he mm. is loved and that he is worth it and and that he matters to people. It, yeah. You know, he's got past of rejection and knowing he matters is a huge part of his journey. Amen. We need to wrap up this episode and I want to do that by thanking both of you, Rachel and Paula, for being so open today on the journey that you and your men have been going through. It's been an absolute pleasure to be uh, with you both um, to talk this through. Thank you, Alan, for asking me to be here and share our story. Yeah, thank you so much, Alan. It's been wonderful to be here um, and to be able to share with this end, our journey. 
the radio and TV, we often hear the phrase, if you've been affected by anything on today's show. And I feel that's very appropriate here. First of all, you are not alone. Ascend is a community. If you're struggling, don't do it alone. As we just heard, you will be loved through the pain. And also, as we just heard, you will come out of the other side. Together, we are stronger. 